0: Today's episode of Table Talk is brought to you by
1: I'm Jeremy And I'm Jerundu And we are the hosts of Majestic Goose's newest podcast, Dice Talk Dice Talk is a Dungeons and Dragons and tabletop podcast that dives into the deep topics of tabletop role-playing games.
2: Join us as we speak with passionate content creators, podcasters, authors, and more as we discuss all manner of tabletop and geek-related content.
1: Dice Talk is a bi-weekly show, so we're hitting your podcatcher with brand new episodes every other week, filling your ears with exclusive interviews and conversations that you can't find anywhere else.
2: Every episode is a new opportunity to hear from different creators in- the tabletop community, and just talk about Dungeons & Dragons and any other tabletop games that have made us who we are.
1: Dice Talk, now on the Majestic Goose Podcast Network. Make sure you check us out and subscribe so you never miss an episode.
2: A Majestic Goose Podcast.
0: Welcome back to another episode of Table Talk. This is your host, Cameron, and I have, of course, my lovely co-host, Christian Olney. Christian... Small one only. Oh, uh, Tonight we're joined by a sp- <laughs> tonight we're joined by a special guest host. Uh, he's been on before. Uh, Connor DeFord, my younger brother, is joining us. And tonight we are going to do the next installment in our running D and D 4 series. Uh, tonight we're going to be focusing on the power gamer. And in our group of D and D, the Forgotten Ones. Connor is the one that kind of fits that mold. So we wanted to have him on here tonight. So if both of you guys want to say a little something before we get started here.
2: Hey guys, it's good to be back. Um, you know who I am, you know how I roll, like to keep it loose, <laughs> like to keep us off track, and uh like to keep it loose. As fun. A goose.
1: Everyone, uh, this is Connor. As Cameron said, I am his younger brother. Um For those of you new that didn't listen to my last um, episode, I've been playing D&D off and on for about two years now, and I am the group's designated druid.
0: DD. Yeah, he's the DD of the group. (laughs) 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 All right, that's perfect. Well, like I said, we're Uh, excited to have Connor back on tonight. He was more than happy to join us and so yeah so like i said tonight we're going to talk about how to best run a game of D for a power gamer so let's go ahead and first kind of start off with maybe explaining what a power gamer is to the listeners uh the ones we did before were a tactician and a role player and those might be a little more easier to kind of make sense of what that means if you're not familiar but Power gamer might be one that maybe needs a little bit of a definition. So uh, let's start off then with Connor. How would you describe the power gaming play style that we kind of associate with you in your own style?
1: Yeah, um, that's a great question, especially for those maybe not familiar to the terminology. Um I think at least for myself, when I heard that term first, my mind kind of thought of someone who um min maxes and uh, just pours all their skill points or ability score points into like their most desirable ability. For example, like a fighter pouring all their points into strength, but actually there's a little bit more to it than that. To kind of briefly give the definition, it's someone who looks ahead to their levels that they're going to become when they get stronger and kind of looks ahead to maybe some of the feats or abilities, or if you're a spellcaster, the spells that you get um down the road and just kind of really is looking forward to how powerful they're going to become down the road. And that's a pretty condensed version of it. That's good.
0: I think to interject real quick too, while we're explaining terminology and everything, uh, a phrase you used, min-maxing, is something that people in the hobby hear a lot, I think. and But someone that's not familiar may also kind of wonder what that means. And min-maxing is the sh- kind of... Um, hobby term for somebody who looks at things as um, trying to do the most optimal thing possible for their character, and a lot of times what that may mean then is, like Connor said, you you like ignore other aspects of the game to only focus on one certain aspect or one certain ability or things like that. So, and a lot of times um, what happens with the there's a there's an argument that could be made that min maxing is just part of this game and that it's not the end of the world but the problem that comes with it though let's say for instance we were playing just a small game of D right now with myself and christian and connor and say dylan's our, our dm for the game and i've made a character that i have a lot of fun playing and i'm enjoying how that's going and let's say that christian's done the same thing too and he's really getting into his character's backstory and everything But let's say Connor, on the other hand, though, he's taken the min-maxed approach. And so what that most likely means is that Connor has spent usually a good amount of time online. He's probably Googled it, and he's found different... different articles online or he's exactly he's found what would be a handbook where someone's made a blog post going step by step that if you minimize this and you maximize that you're going to be able to have more of a damage output things like that and what then easily happens then is for dylan in this instance to be running the game for us for dylan to challenge the party he's gonna throw x at us uh because connor's min maxed though even though Connor's the same level that we are he has a much more higher damage output or he has more capabilities. And so the things that would normally challenge a group of our level are too easy for Connor. And so Connor doesn't have fun then because he's bored. So Dylan then has to raise the threat level to, to give Connor the challenge, but then that becomes too difficult for Christian and my characters. And then that's not fun any longer. So it becomes a really hard balancing act of trying to make sure that things aren't too hard to be too difficult or lethal but at the same time, hard, challenging enough to keep the, the party interested. So anyway, so to explain that phrase, min-maxing. Um, yeah, so that, that's, a, that's a good explanation though, Connor. In my mind, Connor kind of touched on the power gaming might have the kind of negative connotation of min-maxing associated with it, but I feel like they are mutually exclusive. They, they don't have to, just because you're a power gamer doesn't mean you have to be a min-maxer as well. And so like Connor said, you're looking at the bigger picture of things as as a power gamer. You're you're thinking we're at level 3 now as a party, when I get to level 6, I'll be able to do this and so I'll be doing I'll be able to then have that ability or that feat or that spell and then be able to kind of plan accordingly for down the road. So let's then uh, let's focus some more on the power gamer itself than Connor. Uh, now that we kind of maybe have a better understanding of what a power gamer is, Maybe we could talk more about some things that, um, as a power gamer yourself, you kind of feel like are things that catch your interest or things that you like the different aspects of the game.
1: Yeah. Um. So obviously, anytime you play a uh, spellcaster-heavy character, that could be a, a cleric, a wizard, sorcerer, druid, so on. The spells are obviously without. It goes without saying the biggest part of your character so the the biggest part of a power gamer then in regards to spell casting is figuring out what your most optimal spells are going to be Um, and not just in relation to damage output but also in relation to uh, circumstances so power gamers obviously like to look down the road to see what um abilities or feats or skills they have coming up so Spellcasters, a power gamer would be looking: what spells will I get at level five, or six, or seven, or so on, and figuring out what what you'll be capable of casting then. And maybe you are someone that does like to focus on damage, so you want to look more at the um higher damage output spells. Or uh, maybe you're someone that likes to be kind of a utility player, so you want to look at spells that are going to be better for buffing or debuffing.
2: Yeah. Well, it's important to to add then that it's almost from what I'm hearing from you how you describe a a power gamer for yourself. you take what a, a a strategist player does in the short term and you just expand it long term, looking at you know not just like how can I optimize the situation at hand but how can I optimize my character in the long run of you know four levels for now what can I get
1: I think that's I think that's a really good comparison comparing power gamer to a strategist because how i'm interpreting it at least i think there is overlap um strategists obviously are looking at how to best approach a situation and that could be combat or that could be going into a tavern and trying to see like who who best to talk to or whatever um Mm -hmm. i uh power gamers have to do strategy but like christian explained it's more based on like further down the road. It's not so much in the moment. So I think that's a really good comparison.
0: You're you're focusing on the long game rather than the short game of it. So I would say too, Connor had a really good point, especially when it comes to the spell casting, the fact of knowing three levels from now, I'm going to have access to this level of spell, which gives me some of these options. And just like he said, if you're, If you primarily focus on damage output, then certain spells are obviously going to be more important to your build than others. But at the same time, I think a power gamer would maybe even go one step further than that too and have to look at... so thinking with our current party that we're playing with we don't have somebody that does a lot of debuffs so maybe it's going to be better for me to pick up some of those sorts of spells or we don't have anybody that has any sort of buffing to the the party so i should pick up some of those spells so rather than also only focusing on what you maybe prefer to do it's also maybe looking at the bigger picture at the same time of knowing i could do this or i could select that and help shore up some of the party's weaknesses then because of that. so
2: well something else is uh, i automatically think of how when you build a character depending on what edition obviously but um especially in 3.5 that you really have to have these specific feats, the specific skill levels all you know perfectly at these levels before you can move into different subclasses and prestige classes and uh, definitely a power gamer would would look ahead at what they want to end up with, uh, ultimately, like whatever class or um, place they want to end up as. And they kind of like go backwards and say, oh, well, I need to have this by level six. I need to take this feed at, you know, level nine, blah, blah, blah. And they get this perfect roadmap almost, I think, sometimes of where they need to be at what time. Um, if they do fully flesh it out, obviously, not everyone does that um, as a power gamer, but that's immediately what I think of, I think, too. And I think I have those like small tendencies where uh, i I definitely jump back and forth from like what I want to end up as, like as a character when you're looking at classes ahead. But something you do automatically when you're playing, especially three point five, I say that, um is where you're gonna end up as and how to get there in a, you know, not incredibly inefficient way if that makes sense like you don't want to have four of these feats and none of them help you into the subclass that you want to get into
0: sure yeah that's a really good point the when you that's a really good way to look at it that when you have to if when you when your play style is that you're looking at the the end goal or you're keeping your eyes like on the finish line of knowing by level whatever i want to be this or that
1: did you do that Connor? Yeah, um, I was actually um looking over on D and D tools, and I kind of have to do that to a degree. Um, wizard, sorry, not wizards, druids, like any other spellcasters, have to meet a certain threshold of ten plus a spell level plus their like their highest ability score, which for druids would be wisdom. So to cast a certain level of spells, so you have to have, for example. A DC, oh yeah, um a wisdom of like 15 or higher to cast a fifth level spell. And um, you kind of have to. I lost my train of thought. Sorry. Can you? What was the question again? I'm sorry. Did you look
2: into your like what you ended up wanted to end up as like class wise and then kind of work backwards? Or how did you take your approach to not necessarily mid maxing, but um, power game in general, trying to be as like efficient or as. Um, I guess, like, maximize as you could for where you wanted to end up.
1: So, are we talking like character creation? Did I have more like, like, a look like down class the road?
2: creation? Yeah. Class creation. Yeah.
1: Okay. Because that, see, to me, that's tough to answer because when I created this class, I was creating a level nine character uh, as okay. opposed to, you know, like creating this at level one or even two. Mm-hmm. So, I'm trying to think how to like answer that in regards to like my actual situation.
0: We're on the right. I think you had a really good point though. Like it's probably more important as a spell caster than it is as a, like a melee based class, because the fact that like, like Connor was saying for him to be able to cast X level of spell, his wisdom has to be Y as at a minimum. And so he's having to, specifically make sure as he's leveling up and he's having the ability score increases or he's spending his money on gear and getting things to boost that, that particular wisdom stat, that that's all going to in the long run mean that by the time he reaches the level to cast a certain spell that he mechanically is able to cast that spell, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, As like a melee character, like just a, a pretty vanilla melee fighter, you're not ever really going to hit a point where, oh, you need to have a certain base attack bonus to use X weapon or something. Whereas, as a spellcaster, if you don't look ahead and have your certain ability score, like Wisdom for a Druid, at a certain level, then you might get to a point where maybe you can cast level 6 spells because you're the right level, but you can't cast it because your Wisdom isn't high enough. So, you absolutely have to plan um further down the line. And road. all
0: the more reason too when you at least for 3.5 when you have bonus spells available to you um, or bonus spell slots available to you per day if you have a certain stat at a certain level the higher you can get that wisdom then the more that you're able to have more spells to use for those cool spells that you finally have access to. So
1: yeah. absolutely and uh, a higher DC save as well on uh, certain spells. That's very
0: fair. Absolutely. So yeah, so I think um Connor kind of like explained that really well that it's as a power gamer that's just part of how you play but it's also being okay with maybe leveling up this time and not getting much of a of a ability or a spell or anything knowing that maybe this this level that you're reaching is quote unquote a dead level where you don't get any new abilities but, you're just going to keep trucking on because you know that in two more levels, you're going to have something that's kind of game changing. So,
2: so do you guys think, um, this is not super off track, but do you think that everyone power games to an extent?
1: A little bit ago, I was thinking, yes, but talking more from what Cameron and I pointed out, I don't really see how a melee fighter would really power game. Um, to, to a degree I think they do because looking yeah. at feats that they might have to, that they might want to get, like maybe they want um, combat expertise. And um, I might be misquoting, I, I'm not sure what the prereqs are for it, but if they have to meet a certain amount of prereqs for their strength or, or whatnot, um, they, mm-hmm. they do have to plan for that. But I think spellcasting, in my opinion at least, uh, you do have to be a little bit more of a power gamer.
2: Yeah. I think that's true for I mean just based on how the class setup is with how much normally how much more seems to be happening like there's just more possibilities and opportunities I think in general of classes and um spells for I mean obviously with for spellcasters like there's just the, op- the opportunities in the amount you have to plan I think just skyrockets compared to melee like obviously there's tons of feats specifically for melee and there's some tons of prestige classes but if you're straight melee you can get away with not planning out everything because there is a kind of like a more limited range i would say where you do do normally just have to have a high strength score or you do just have to have like the three or four main feats of you know most melee characters so, um, I would agree with you, definitely that it 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 differs by classes, but i I think every everyone to an extent, depending on how you play, obviously, but everyone, if they do look to the future a little bit and and kind of plan out like, well, if I get this feat, then i I should probably you know look into that feat next because it's it builds on it. they all they everyone power games just to a certain degree. that's
0: fair. I don't know. I would take the devil's advocate though and I would actually disagree with both of you guys. I think you both have really good points there, but I would say that just because you so like for instance, I don't think everybody does power game. Um let's say one of the one of the playstyles we did before already was uh, actually with obviously with Christian as the the example was the role player or the actor as it's sometimes called. So mm-hmm. so let's say for instance that that's the the playstyle that I I align myself with the most. And let's say that I'm playing a tabaxi wizard and my part of my backstory is that my family was, killed in a fire when our house was lit on fire by someone that didn't like us so now maybe i'm deathly afraid of fire and flames so even though by the time i get to say level five or whatever and now i have access to fireball which is one of the earlier higher damage output spells that you get maybe for me as a role Mm -hmm. player i'm thinking yeah that that would be a good spell to have but my character wouldn't want to do that magic my character because I'm so afraid of and of flames and I'm so adverse to fire, I my character wouldn't want to study that magic. And so even though I'm not power gaming by picking a, a spell that would be more beneficial to the party, or I'm not focusing on getting a good spell that could increase my damage output, I'm a role player. And so for me it's important to to play my character like my character would be and so so like i said it's i i think christians probably about 99% right most play styles have i'm sure some degree of power gaming involved but i don't know if i would say every single person does power gaming but like i said just devil's advocate not saying anybody's wrong or right or anything but
2: i i completely am with you now that i think about it because i do have a tendency to Make my characters inefficient in some ways because I have bid maxed before with characters. Um, I had one character who dealt like seventy or eighty damage in one turn, and we were level like five or something. It was is just ridiculously maxed. What was that? Broken. It was it, well, yes, it was broken, but <laughs> um, yeah, it was just to the to the utmost degree of that. And then um, obviously my current character who I played for a long, long time on and off um i definitely think that i am not at all uh i guess in many different aspects i am an inefficient character but i've kind of had a jump you know i've jumped from classes to classes and not really stuck with like a kind of efficient upward trend in power um depending on how you look at the different stats i think i am a weak character to be honest mathematically Uh, mostly mathematically yes mathematically i i'm a weak character but does that make my character actually in game do you see that no and yes like obviously it 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 depends on the session and how your dm plays it with how much role playing in combat and i think dylan does a great job and cameron needed a great job where if you put a good mix then the mid the, the power gamers kind of get their time to shine with some they show off their abilities and their kind of what they've been planning for for so long they have to show off that power the raw power mathematically that they have in combat whereas also as a role player i still get my time in the spotlight you know during some of the non-combat to show that although i am weak in combat i can still exceed everyone's expectations in other areas
1: yeah i agree i think well, like every class most every class in my opinion could easily become a power gamer class i think just like you guys said it ultimately depends on the player because like cameron said if i was more of a role playing player then i probably wouldn't play a spellcaster with just wanting to get like the most optimal and uh, damage output skills i think also like christian said um if you don't necessarily want to be the player that's known as a damage output heavy character, then you're also not gonna play your your class as optimally as it could be played. Yeah. And, and that's fine. There's there's no yeah. one way to to play it.
2: Do you think that you get the like you get the uh I don't I don't want to say like the excitement and the rush of D and D straight from combat, but you do see your character in 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 your power game and experience, you see the uh the time and the effort you've taken to try and like Track out that long-term path of um, success. Do you see that through combat or through your spells? Um, or when do you normally see that come to fruition?
1: It, absolutely through combat. Um thinking like literally the first thing that came to mind was when we were fighting um the undead dragon Debor and the uh, port of Cholt. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that's where it was. And um, not to sound braggy or anything, but my spell may or may not have uh, been the final thing that brought him down, obviously with a lot of help from my party. Um, Pretty sure I knocked out a tower. <laughs> that you did, allegedly. Um, <laughs> allegedly. No, I just, the high of doing that was just awesome. Being able to know that I used the right spell and rolled high enough and that I, how I had created my character was the most optimal in that situation. And, got us out of a really really tricky spot cuz we thought we might easily be facing a TPK.
2: Yeah. That's very true. So Cameron, how do you think do you how do you think uh you as a player uh interact with power gamers? How do you support them? How do you help them um I guess in the in the game of D&D?
0: From the player standpoint is what you're asking. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. From the player standpoint, I
0: think a lot of, and this might be a little repetitive because I think part of it we've touched on in the previous two episodes of Mm the series, but I think when it, what it boils down to is a lot of just kind of self-awareness. So like, for instance, if I'm in a party and I'm I've identified that maybe majority of the people are tacticians or that they're role players Mm -hmm. or that they're in this case power gamers everybody needs their time in the spotlight you know so if if it's something where i guess in the instance of a power gamer maybe maybe the party levels up and one of the the power gamers says oh well this time instead of leveling up as a druid i picked up a level of x and if if I were to mm-hmm. say, oh well, why would you do that? You should have just gone straight Druid, and then it's that's they the power gamer has the end in mind. They know what they're going for, what type of build that they're they're planning on, and so something like that would be something maybe to stay away from. You know what I mean? Like knowing that they have their own motivations and that they know what they're doing. You know, so as a um, or at the same time, like um, if someone was a tactician and they're the combat starting out and they're trying to tactically look at things from different like angles and stuff and i'm like dude can you just hurry up and take your turn i want to go that's that's another example <laughs> of yeah so as a player then i guess to i'm
2: gonna get you <laughs> more pizza
0: as a player then to answer your <laughs> question you're always hungry um as a player then to answer your question <laughs> i guess the one of the best things you can do is just understand that everybody has their own motivations for why they play the game why they're at the table and just kind of being cognizant of that and not doing anything to hamper somebody else's or intentionally i guess i should say not doing anything to intentionally hamper somebody else's motivation
2: i think it's a good point as a fellow player i think the big thing that i try and do especially with as a role player often um, I'm kind of like what I would consider like diametrically opposed in some cases to what a like a power gamer is where I'm like the one who will do something specifically for story or for character building the opposite direction where it's more like this is going to make me more inefficient, but I think it would be really cool. Or like, I think it would enhance my character's traits and personality Whereas I think a lot of time power games, again, are thinking long term, like, how can I be the best possible um, X, like what how the best possible druid for the party and for this specific party? So something as a uh, diametrically opposed, in some cases, player, I think the big thing for um, those types of players and just for all players in general is to uh, really, I think I would hamper down on what Cameron said, except to add that. You need to let them uh, let them choose their path and not get discouraged or, uh, I guess, kind of like try and force them to do something that their character, um, they don't want to do like for their character. So if, again, like talking about like role playing, like sometimes they won't follow the specific, uh, like maybe what their character would do just because they want to make their character more optimized. And as a role player, that that's makes me like, oh, no, why would you do that? Like, your character, you know, is built on this foundation. Your personality is like this. Like, why wouldn't you go that direction? Like, you really need to let them um, choose their path and do what they want with their character because it's their character. Like, if they if they want to mid-max them and they want to make them the most powerful blank in the in the, you know, entire session, then you know, that, that's, that's what they need to do. It, it shouldn't be a, you know, however you build your character shouldn't be like, Oh, you're doing it wrong. Like the whole game of D and D is to have all these different ways that you can build a character and play the game.
0: I would agree.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. Um, it's funny actually, Cam, the, um, example you gave of someone playing as a character and then leveling up and taking one level of Druid, for example, I actually did that, and that's why I'm a Druid now. Um, I was playing as a Raptoran and uh, was a mixture of raptorin fighter and fighter, and I took literally one level of Druid, and uh, I guess now looking back, seeing that that was the power gamer in me, I'm realizing that I switched to Druid because I looked down the road and saw what I could do as a Druid two, three, four plus levels down the road, and I knew... We were level like eight at the time, so I knew to level up four or five times at that point. Do you know it was going to take forever to reach druid level five or whatever. Um, so I that's why I decided, like, hey, I'll just make this new character and start over fresh as a druid and be able to be a druid level nine.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point, though, Connor. the The fact that I think you could you could like generalize and say that. Power gamers look at potential. And so you were able to, uh, because I think, it, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the reason you even picked up one level of Druid was because Dylan awarded everybody a level, but it was earlier than what we would have normally leveled up. And so his, his like his contingency to it was that everybody had to pick a different class than what they already were, just so that we would kind of step outside of our box that we were kind of familiar with and encourage multi-classing. Is that why you did the Druid? Is that right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, that sounds right. And then also I believe um, Jacob also had a level or two of Druid and I'd seen some of the things that he was capable of doing. Yeah, that's exactly it
0: then. So you, by doing so, by being, because at the time you were just, I think, a fighter otherwise, like a level eight fighter or something. And by then Mm -hmm. picking up a class that was completely like you were on one end of the spectrum and druid was on the other as a spellcaster but so picking up something different than what you were you saw the potential that that class held and the fact that by mid game i mean a lot of the stuff the druids get that are really the kind of meat and potatoes of their class are the 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 more middle lower low lower to middle end of the the class level and like you said already starting as a level 8 character it would have taken quite a bit of time to reach some of those cool things that you had uncovered though. So you saw the potential in that class. And then the next time you were making a character, you went full Druid. So, Absolutely. That's cool.
2: So Cameron, we've talked about the player's perspective of playing with a power gamer, but you can give insight as a DM. How do you prepare and how do you specifically, I guess, appease and work with having a uh, power gamer in the group
0: it's a good question i would say that first and foremost which this isn't going to be exclusive to power gamers but as a dm in general you need to know the motivations Mm -hmm. of why your why your players are there why their characters are the way that they are and so for connor for instance as a power gamer there were instances, and he was, I would have said, so he's he's playing the Druid now, as we've talked about, but even with his previous character, or characters even, I i would still argue that Connor was a power gamer with his other PCs too. And so anyway, when I when I was running d d at the time, and with Connor as a power gamer, knowing his motivations, so for instance, in his previous character's case, he was a Raptoran fighter, and he was the son of the ruler of the Raptoran clan that was in the neighboring region that where all the action was taking place and so just knowing that connor's motivations and what they were would allowing me to to bring in stuff into the story that would kind of catch his attention and get him involved and engaged so knowing why they're there is the big thing knowing what their characters and their their own motivations are is huge but then just being able to know how to make the game relevant for them i guess so it, it doesn't have to be combat strictly. Um, for someone like Connor right now who enjoys combat, I would throw, I would I would just make more of a challenge to the combat that the party's going to face, give him time to shine in the spotlight. So for instance, the example he used when Dylan had the dragon attack us, that was a perfect moment for Connor to, we had just rested, so he had all of his spell slots and he was able to kind of go at it full force and use all of his Um, strong spells not holding anything back and that gave him some time to shine
1: i guess kind of on an off note i'd like to talk about the play styles and i think it's important to mention that you might not specifically fit one play style and forgive me if that was mentioned in another episode but i think that's just important to throw out um so for example the power gamer part of that definition does talk about how um, he or she likes to defeat monsters and then loot them and use their loot against future enemies. Uh, I personally would not say that that really fits my playstyle, um because most of the stuff that I'm gonna loot is probably not going to service me well as a spellcaster. So that just doesn't really fit my playstyle. But, I think it's still uh, just worth mentioning that you might not specifically be shoehorned into one play style and i think everybody plays differently and that's uh to me one of the most appealing parts of D. everybody can can mesh with their different play styles and still play well together
0: that's a really valid point and a lot of times too you may find even that maybe the current character you're playing as you've kind of found that you have a a certain play style that you're leaning towards or like connor said maybe there's even one or two that you're kind of Bouncing in between or whatever, but it could very well just as easily be that you power game and you have fun doing it. And as you're playing this game, you're maybe becoming more comfortable with talking in character or in role playing things as your character is. And so maybe next time when you play as a new game or you play as a new character, maybe you're going to try and focus more on a different play style just to either challenge yourself or just because you've grown as a player. So, yeah, that's a really good point.
1: Yeah, I I like that idea, too, of like really pushing yourself because I, which won't be a shock to you guys, but to our listeners, maybe or maybe not, um, I'm not much of a role player. So I think that's a really good point, just kind of off topic of trying to fit into a different play style to push yourself. I think that's a great idea.
2: So we've talked about these different playing styles, specifically of uh, power gaming. Do you think that, similar to how a role player can over role play Speak to I guess both of you. I guess open question. Uh, what do you guys think about like when does it get to the point where power gaming breaks the game? When do you have too much power gaming or the the playing style kind of like ruins the fun for everyone else? Where when what where's the line?
1: I think, in my opinion, it's more that the player can ruin it than the class can ruin it. If that makes sense, um, I think that while there are certainly ways to break the quote, break the game within the confines of the rules. I think Mm -hmm. if a player is being a power gamer to try to purposely steal the spotlight from, Mm -hmm. um, other players or just purposely be like the, uh, the, the combat face of the party, so to speak. I think that in my opinion, that's when the game starts to be, uh, I guess you'd say ruined for lack of so a better you'd say, word. Say
2: you'd argue that like classes aren't really the thing that's broken and feats aren't really the things that's broken it's like how the players use those classes or feats can be where it gets messy. I
1: I think in this instance yes, I think there definitely are aspects of the game class-wise and feat-wise that are broken, but I think ultimately it's how the player uses that. And in the instance of power gaming, I think that If someone is a power gamer strictly for wanting to uh, steal the spotlight, then yeah, I think that kind of can kind of spoil the game a little bit for the rest of the party.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with that too, Connor. And I think to answer Christian's first question or the first part of his question, when does power gaming become too much? And I think I would argue that the, like we kind of said earlier, power gaming isn't inherently bad but it can be when someone takes it too far and th- and it makes it where the in the instance that we used of the min-maxing, it makes it so that it's more difficult for the majority of the party to have fun because one player is stealing too much of the limelight or one character is, is too overpowered that suddenly now it messes with the balance of the game. And I think that's where it would become mm-hmm. the point where it's too much power gaming then. And so, but the the lesson we've kind of touched on on several other instances. I think the tipping point would be that when for the power gamer to have fun, it's coming at a cost of everybody else's fun and enjoyment with the game. So yeah,
1: yeah. Definitely. well said.
0: That's a good, that was a really good question though, Christian.
1: I think along with that, um, I think there's potential, honestly, for any of these play styles to to ruin the game or ruin the fun or, Take the spotlight. Uh, role playing, for example, I think if someone is too much of a um, a role player, and maybe they do most of the talking outside of combat, and they are the ones that really try to like change uh, situations that might be kind of a tight situation, and they don't allow other people to try to fit that role, I think that can also kind of ruin the fun. Um, maybe there's players in a party, for example, that are more reserved to role playing. And if someone kind of dominates the role-playing, then they might kind of ruin that fun for someone else.
0: That's a really good point. We're running close to the end of our time tonight. So I think I maybe have one more question for Connor. And if you have something to add on this point too, small one, obviously jump in here. But So we've touched now on what power gaming is, different ways that it can be presented in a game or be present in a game and how to play alongside a power gamer how to run for a power gamer is there anything right off the top of your head connor um i know you maybe can't generalize for all the power gamers out there but for yourself at least is there anything that you would recommend a dm maybe avoids to make it so that you're more engaged in the game as a power gamer
1: that's a good question yeah you're gonna have to give me a a sec to think about that sorry i
0: actually can jump in here
1: yeah, go ahead. So I think automatically
2: a, a DM that puts their party into a long, intensive role playing um, encounter or session without any t- tiny breaks of combat can kind of disinterest the power gamer just because it doesn't fit how they built their character. You don't get to use their skills, you don't have, to have any chance to really interact if you're not a big role player. So uh, I would say that if a DM could throw in, I know we talked about this before, but just throw in small, quick, easy combat situations in which like the people that you're going up against the monsters or NPCs, whoever it is, they have to be, they don't have to be like the most intense, strong, you know, it doesn't have to take 20 or an hour or however long encounters normally take. You can throw whatever small monster or small NPC um at them and if they get to show how powerful they are, I think it, it might appease them in some instances or it might invigorate them, showing that like, hey, I, I did something for the party. So just throwing those like small, really quick combat encounters intermittently throughout a, a really long role playing session is really
1: important, I think, to keep them them engaged. You
0: have anything you want to add, Connor?
1: Well we're talking things DM should avoid, is that yeah, correct? You,
0: in, oh, I thought we were talking about... In your opinion, yeah.
1: I no, mean, I, I, I think that still point works, because that's like avoid just like huge stretches of role play. So I think you're still answering that mm-hmm. in my mind. Um, I guess how, how I would answer that is, I think, and some people might disagree with this, I think it shouldn't be too obvious that a DM is throwing in either a horde of like lower level monsters or like a big bad monster just to appease the power gamer i think for myself at least i would really easily catch on to that if if dylan were to throw in like some random troll or something for example they would like specifically always come at me so i have something to fight and like preoccupy me i think the dm should try to avoid doing that and that's not to say like always have combat where it's just orcs or just a band of Bandits or something. Um, I think just don't make it so obvious. Okay. But again, some people might disagree with that because maybe they think that if you always just have combat that doesn't have a stronger character, then there's no challenge for the party.
0: That was really well said.
1: That's
2: a good point, Connor. I didn't think about it. like it doesn't just have to be low level um monsters. They're you know a really quick and easy encounter. It needs to be an encounter that seems organic. And seems like it it, it was going to happen, no matter what. Whether the power gamer was disinterested or not, it, it shouldn't seem like it's a little handout to like mm-hmm. invigorate them. It should really be a a smooth cascade into the session.
1: Right. I think actually, and uh, for new listeners or listeners that missed my previous episode, I actually DM as well on the side, and something I've kind of done that I actually uh, took from Cameron from his DM sessions. Was an overworld travel, and um, in the overworld travel, there's potential to run into combat. And I think just throwing that in can easily appease the uh, the power gamer because then mm-hmm. if if you're having a session that is heavily travel, there's potential for combat in that it's not just your party traveling most of the session and going town to town.
0: That's a really good
1: point. Well, while also making it random, so it, it's not just that like it's happening because it seems like shoehorned into to appease People.
0: It makes really good sense. Awesome. Well, on that note, I think we are about out of time. So what would you guys uh, say? Let's just real quick. Each give a maybe one or two line takeaway that we would say would be our biggest thing from tonight. And we'll go into our sign
1: offs. I think my biggest thing tonight, kind of just as an overall summary of the different playstyle episodes you've done is, uh, Try to, as a DM, find a good balance of of sessions that don't just favor one play style. And as players, try not to step on the toes of your other fellow players and their play styles. And uh, if you want your group to have the most fun, which ultimately is the goal of any game, uh, role-playing or otherwise, just try to, try to mesh well with everyone.
2: I'd say my takeaway is uh, just like, don't think automatically that mid-maxing or power gaming is a bad thing. Don't think of it as uh, something that's lazy because it's it's a real playing style that like, you can build your characters in a lot of different ways. And one of those ways is specifically looking at how do I make my character powerful and how do I really make them efficient and work well together. So I, I would just like to remind, I guess, remind myself and remind everyone else to like, mid-maxing in certain cases really is like a necessary thing and it is actually kind of like a good thing for characters to have a little mix in so power gaming can be a really i think it's a bad rap sometimes so i just want to remind everyone that like um, obviously it it is a a a a valid and um it's a it's a necessary playing style in some cases because you're going to need that power
0: very well said. And I would say, I would leave the the listeners with the advice that just as with other play styles, knowing the motivation of your character of your players and knowing your players motivation for their characters should be of the utmost importance so that you know how to best engage them, how to best make the game enjoyable for them, um, how to best be able to keep things as balanced across the party as possible. So everybody's getting some time in the spotlight. So. Wonderful. Well, we have had some really good conversation tonight. I'm really happy that you joined us again, Connor. That was a lot of fun. So let's go ahead and go into our sign-offs real quick, and then we will call it an episode. going to start us off, Christian?
2: Sure. So uh, my name is Christian, and uh, thank you for being with us tonight. I, my sign-off tonight is that I want to remind everyone that here at Table Talk, we are Chillin' Without Dylan, Part 2.
0: I was going to use that one.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've got one ready. I guess I would just like to say, first off, thanks again to Cameron and Christian for having me on. And uh, I'm looking forward to being on again. Um, As far as my sign off, when it comes to crits, 5% of the time, it works every time.
0: that's good that's really good i like that <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> awesome and i would
0: sign off this evening with reminding everybody to remember the dice giveth and the dice taketh away so that's it this time for table talk we will see you guys soon keep on rolling those dice
1: just the first image in their head was a bunch of guys sitting around a table in wizard rubs
0: we only have one guy at our table that wears a wizard robe, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys,
2: I found this thing. Table Talks theme music, Rhinos theme, is brought to you by Kevin McLeod under the Creative Commons license. Please see the show notes for more details.